Hello, I am Stephen from The Twin Geeks, um, one of our editors here, and I have the absolute privilege of taking you through the favourite films of our writers in an attempt of, you know, knowing me, knowing you, getting to know us. Um, I think it's fun to just say what we like, but it's also fun to raise what others like and to, you know, judge them by that, gauge their things. Um, with me today, we have the co-founder and um, co-editor-in-chief of The Twin Geeks, David A. Punch. Not to be confused with David A. Punch, um, <laughs> as I erroneously thought for a long time. Um, hello, David. Hello. Thanks for uh, having me on here to discuss some of my favourite movies. Yeah, so you will know David from The Twin Geeks, the podcast, which feels like sayings like Street Fighter, the movie, the game, basically, doesn't it? Because <laughs> that's the name of the podcast, I'm like... In brackets, the podcast. Um, you will know him from speaking to me on um, Ashes Classics, our silent cinema series, and you know him from appearing on things like Daydreamcast. He's been on. I'm thinking of spoiling things very, very recently. Briefly, and you know, uh, yeah, briefly. Um, well, I was there for the whole time. I was. Um, only, only spoke briefly, and you will more know him for his long form pieces on classic um, cinema, um, which you can still find on the website. Some wonderful pieces there. So. Um, if you don't know him, you're about to get to know him through his 10 films. So I gave you the edict, let's say. I gave you the thing of pick me your 10 favourite films. And some of you went conceptual of it. I think you went very on brand with this. Yeah. Um, of these are 10 David, David movies. Um, they're really good, though. Um, but, you know, I'm going to try not to insult the taste of people on here. But, David, thanks for the rationale. You want to set the picture and then take me through your list, please. Well, uh... The big thing is that any list, uh, I'm going to say this again, I've said this everywhere, I say this in every time I put a list together, is that lists are arbitrary. Every list, everywhere, all at once. All, all lists are arbitrary. All lists are a reflection of the person writing the list. They're all, you know, personal in some manner. They're all selective. Yeah. They're all exclusionary. So just a list of my favorites, uh, I, I, I don't always feel like is the best way to express something. Yeah. You know, I like to have a thesis when I, when I put together a list. I have something to say more specific with it. So my list is less favorites and more so of what I think are essential movies these are like the essential movies okay. that they they kind of define what cinema is for me so you're still going to get a sense okay. of my my personal david's guide to cinema the 10 required readings yeah yeah if i had to pick like this this is what movies can do this is what movies are about you know this is kind of for me what this is and of course heavily skewed towards the films that i tend to like okay so um, start off. We want to start off, and let's yeah. take me through ten cinematic delights, please. So, so the first one is called. Uh, oh, I hate. Uh, I do not know my French too well, but I'm gonna try and get, give it the French name first, and that's uh, Un Homme de Tots. I think probably not though, which is uh, translates to the Four Troublesome Heads, which is in. Ah, I was about to say, what film are you talking about? It, it, no, it I is... have seen this because you, you. I watched this with you. Yeah, you I I showed you this film, and this is why I want to start mm. with this because this was kind of my my thesis, and 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 really this was like the starting point for me for making the list out and the, kind of the inspiration. This is an 1898 film from director yeah. Georges Méliès that is a minute long, and yeah. I think this is probably going to be the most unique and unexpected entry on anyone's list from the website i don't think anyone's okay i don't think anyone's gonna pick anything near this because uh I wow mean, a melier a melier film from you is the most unique and unexpected and uh, well that's the thing is that yeah like you're, you're, <laughs> when you say it like that you're like melies but like when we talk about melies we talk about true a trip what to the moon the mary, mary frolics of yeah. satan we talk about these big uh, extravagant fantastical works that are you know yeah. often colored and this is not this is a one minute film where melies 
uses the camera trick to separate his head from his body uh, in four separate areas, and then he plays a little song on the guitar. And that's it. Yeah. That's that's the whole movie. And you can watch it right now in probably less time than they to explain it. Yeah. But what I love about it and what strikes me most and what I told you as well when I first showed you this movie was that this is, to me, the definition of cinema. This is what cinema is. This is what is unique about cinema that no other art form can do. It demonstrates the uh, technical you know, capability of it through the power of editing and the trickery. And yes. m- most importantly, and this is going to be a consistent theme with the list, is the whimsical and entertaining nature of, of cinema. This is one of the early examples for me where the form pivots from being very documentarian, you know, very uh, capturing, yeah. into being something expressive. So... I- it's a it's it's really really cool and it goes back to a thing that i love to remind myself of almost about special effects and we can do a f- film the two things you have are the camera and editing and that is really all that you need and yes there are things we can add on to that that are absolutely wonderful but the amount you can do literally just with the camera and with just splicing and slicing footage yep. is just so undervalued um and yeah i oh. mean we've talked about this because in, in, in that cocktail series we did of just like the practicality of just like magicianship filmmaking is still such a highlight of a film for me so yeah le, le quatre tête thank you um from georges melier that's much better uh yeah so that that to me again like editing is you know the the, the prime thing that film does that nothing else replicates uh and kind of extending into that in terms of the 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 more transportive you know fantastical nature of film uh the next on my list is 1927's metropolis and, yes and this one's definitely just more mentioned like a... just mentioned on our most recent maybe at this point of re- yeah. release you know, that we just recorded uh pro- richard the third yeah. classics pro- probably everywhere because i will mention this film yes. everywhere i can every time and that's a big reason why i'm such a huge fan of metropolis because it has this whole history and legacy outside of the film itself that really informs and recontextualizes and reshapes how it is seen and interpreted over Mm. the years and how it influences as well. Uh, One of the big things that's drawn me to Metropolis is the out, you know, outside conversation around it and how it has influenced cinema for decades and decades. And then how it continued to be reinterpreted once additional footage, like a whole third of the film was rediscovered in 2010. And that was like a big revolutionary mind-blowing moment for me of how Mm. cinema evolves and changes over time and how important it is to evaluate the history and continue to reinterpret it and recontextualize it. Again, one of the most influential science fiction films of all time was incomplete, was condensed, and was even like molded and changed and and reinterpreted by other producers, you know, putting out the film in in like the 80s and such uh, in very different ways and how that changes how we you know perceive cinema and how cinema is thus influenced by it and the fact that it was I a mean, film that was so influential despite being incomplete for so long you know really wowed me it's not a perfect analogy because obviously we we, we knew that bits were missing but i think the impact is perhaps like like realizing that we just found an extra chapter of frankenstein yeah like, whoa okay well uh, yeah because the whole subplots were cut out of the movie and important, you know, elements that uh, further uh, inform the characters. And it's very interesting yeah. to me to see, as a person who first saw the film in this restored version versus people who yeah. you grew up with and saw the incomplete version and how different our perceptions are of the film over I think I've history. only seen the incomplete because the version that I watched was on DVD, so it might be... I'll have to check. I've got it downstairs. I'll see if when that DVD arises from i'll check that for you later yeah that, uh, so metropolis metropolis oh, what a wonderful wonderful movie and again also just another another testament to how 
grandiose and awe-inspiring and transportive cinema can be. You know, yeah. it really is a fully realized science fiction world. And again, like just the aesthetics of a lot of 1920s yeah. films, you know, and futurism in that era is just so cool. Like Art, Art Deco is so eternal. It's such beautiful German expressionism. Absolutely yeah, wonderful. The fascists, the fascists love it for a reason. Yeah, um, that's a very, very good counterpoint to that. But you know, <laughs> uh, it's it's a wonderful film and has endured for so long and is so expressive. And again, like I, I feel like silent film, as of course uh, in our podcast we discuss, is so underrepresented yeah. when we talk about the greatest films of all time. You know, and the most influential and stuff. I hear only ten percent of the best films are silent. <laughs> that's what they tell you. Um, mm. But yeah, and and I think Metropolis for me is really one of the peak examples of that and ones that even people who are uh kind of suspicious towards silent film or less interested cannot deny they, they just cannot deny its, yeah. its majesty so we've got four seven heads and we've got metropolis yes. take us through history another step yep so i think we're going chronological yes yes my, my list is going to be chronological because it's i presume we'll end up in like the 2010s that seems very very you probably probably we'll see uh, number three on the list is Ernst Lubitsch's Trouble in Paradise. Going back, you know, to again the, the whimsical nature of film. Uh, film needs to be entertaining. Film needs to be fun, you know, uh, on, on top of its uh, capability. A little bit dangerous, for... though, as well. This, yeah. I was surprised when I watched this at your recommendation yeah. a year or two ago. <laughs> But this, you know, this one, this this, this skirts a bit close spicy. to the Sonic Spicy, the spicy film again, it like is a spicy very. Film. The pre-code era is such a short time period in Hollywood. Yeah. You know, from like 1929 to 1934, it's like a five-year time span. But man, there's there some great films, and it, and I think it showcases as well how our our perceptions again of of, of history in terms of. Uh, you know how how people were, you know, or the the progression of things of how film became more expressive, more open, uh, wasn't necessarily the case, you know, because pre-code is very out there, very explicit in terms yeah. of what they're talking about. You know, it's it's very explicit uh, sexuality, but it, it's done in such a tactful way in the it's case such of people a like Lubitsch. Movie. Yeah, smooth, mm. classy movie. So so smooth, so funny, so elegant, so mm. romantic, all all in the same gesture. And there's a number of films I could have picked Amazing from this era. It's, it's a really great film. But Trouble and Terror is just like the exemplar of like you know if you if you had to pick a single pre-code film to exemplify the whole era it, it's it's got to be this and you yeah. know it's just perfectly Lubitsch. you know they, they call it the there's, Lubitsch touch for a reason he's, he's such a master there's a really good piece on this um by friend of the show and friend of the site um george davenport not jack davenport and i really recommend people check out his review on letterbox.com of trouble in paradise i yeah love it so much so much fun and again sexy movie should be sexy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking of which speaking goes, of sexy movies yeah no number uh four on the list here is Casablanca. When mm. when I think of movies, when I grew up thinking about movies, whenever anyone told me about movies, Casablanca is what I picture in yeah. my mind. It is just so undeniable. It's everywhere. It's so influential. It's like the, the poster child of movies and it holds up despite the reputation of everything, you know, despite being shoved in your face all the time and how iconic and quoted it is. It is how misquoted it is because yeah. there are lines that are not in the movie that have become iconic and yep. have had spin-off films based on those lines. Yep. And and it is even better than all of those expectations lead you to believe. Oh, it's and good. And it remains so vital, so important, and such a great example of this intersection of, uh, I think, very very explicit uh, pro-war, you know, American propaganda, but also while yeah. being a an expressive and important piece of art within that uh, concept, within yeah. that uh, promotion. And 
and for and for a righteous cause that should be said as well yeah it, it loomed large over my cinematic upbringing because this is if ever asked my dad's favorite film because as you know he hates american film right. um, if ever asked his favorite <laughs> film casablanca um like always and it was like this legendary thing that for one birthday or a christmas i got him a copy of casablanca on, on dvd and we watched it together as a family um i think mom and brother were not that taken by it or didn't really care and i was like this is very very good even even as an early cinephile who was like you know cautious towards black and white films you know this was never not great it was it was always mm. you know perfect smooth elegant you know romantic of course it's, this is what you think of when you think of romance uh in in hollywood yeah. uh and the, the couple doesn't get together and that's like the most beautiful thing about it unless you watch the simpsons version um which i've just <laughs> seen that episode and they have it at the old folks home have it edited now the happy it's like let let's let's stay together forever mm-hmm. and, uh, but it's so brilliant. And again, there's not, nothing more important, I think, than the message of uh, defeating the Nazis. That's obviously, you know, an, an eternal message, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More prescient now than perhaps that release. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but also, again, like how... Uh, I also like the global sentiment of it specifically. Again, it's not just rah-rah, America is, is great. And if anything, it's not that. It's about the importance no. of uniting against a greater threat on a global scale. There's no more powerful sequence in me in cinema than the rousing chorus of La Marseillaise, you know, drowning out the Germans I, yeah, at the bar. I, I need to go back and watch that film. I've not Everyone seen it does. Since Every single it. person. I don't um, care if you watch it yesterday. Yeah. Go watch Casablanca <laughs> again. <laughs> okay, so that's Casablanca. What's your next? Number five, film? halfway through the list, is... 1951's Strangers on a Train by Alfred Hitchcock. Okay, cool. This Do I have a movie that you should watch? It's called Do Revenge. It came out this year. It's like, (laughs) what if this was a mediocre teen comedy? And you know what? This is a stand-in for basically any Hitchcock film you want to put here. Many great films. Okay. Why is this your Hitchcock choice then? Ah, it's a dark horse. It's a dark horse pick. I it's so Is it? Yeah, I think so, because like it's so easy to go. This to me is like one of the ones when I went to watch Hitchcock films, this was this is. I watched this before I'd watched Psycho. I watched before I'd watched Vertigo. This was one of. I mean, maybe it's got a different reputation in in England, but like this was the one for me. I think this this rear, and Rear Window were the yeah. two the, like the films that I feel like I should have seen. That that might be some confirmation bias. I feel like because like when you when you look at lists, when you look at you know what people talk about, they yeah. say Vertigo, Rear Window, Psycho. Yeah. It's it's those ones, and Stranger on a Train is always praised but it's never on the list you know okay. it's never okay. on the True. most important True. it's never the top it's not even necessarily ranked in like top because well, it's not as good as rope so why would you put on the list when rope is a better movie oh because this is so entertaining <laughs> again, like we were just talking about this with like richard as well again like you know uh, there's something so satisfying about like falling around this total machiavellian character you know who is just yeah, so so right. evil so malicious you know and it's and it's so delightful to take part in but again uh, th- this just applies across the board for Hitchcock here. It's just such a master of storytelling, of engaging the mm. audience and doing it through distinctly cinematic language. You know, his use of close-ups, his use of, you know, striking uh, shot, you know, composition and action. Uh, this could be any Hitchcock film here, really, but Strangers on a Train is just one of the most entertaining. And I think about sequences all the time for me. I think about, you know, the reflection in the glasses of the killer. I think yeah. about him dropping the thing in the in the sewer. I think about, oh, there's that great shot, that great shot of the, the tennis match where everyone's going back and forth with their heads and he's just staring straight on. Just brilliant sequence and brilliant uh, I need to go back and visual communication. And, it, it and again, it's my favorite Hitchcock. 
It may be. It, I think sure. it is too. I don't know. N- Notorious also could have gone here for me because Notorious. I like also... Notorious. I, I saw that at the cinema, a, a reissue, oh, um, which is beautiful. the only time I've seen it, and it was beautiful on the big screen. You know, it was it was so unavailable until very recently when Criterion mm. put out their, and that's how I got to see it because you you cannot mm. rent it or anything otherwise. It's very hard to find. But yeah, this could really be any Hitchcock. There was there was a quote from joe dante i think when that's you know uh you, you don't even necessarily need to like hitchcock is his own film school you just watch all of hitchcock's films and learn uh you know everything you need to know about cinema and i think that's and, that's well <laughs> apart from women um <laughs> yeah but but in terms of like like technical like, like in the like the filmmaking yeah, side of I'm... it I, I think that's very true you know he's he's, he's a textbook uh, you know, example in in that regard. I am skeptical. I'm, you know, I'm always a bit of a, a, a doubt about the Hitchcock, and you know, bring up the wider things. And I'm not his biggest fan. He's definitely made films I don't like, but the films that I love, I absolutely love. Strangers of the Train, I think yeah. is phenomenal. Rear Window, phenomenal. If you if you want to ask me, if you want to ask me my, my te- if you want to ask me my ten least films, I'm gonna put Marnie on that list. I'll say that. So. Oh yeah, I, I don't like Marnie at all. Oh, yeah, good, you're good. Hate Marnie. Yeah, yeah. So again, like by no means is it an impeccable record. But uh, some of the greatest films of all time, certainly on oh, on Hitchcock's we'll always, we'll list. There. Have Marty. Oh, there you go. I didn't know that you were a fellow. Terrible Marty film. Enjoyed. God, so yeah. so awful. Holy crap. Anyway, objectionable. Um, Speaking of objectionable, oh. number six, The Searchers. <laughs> ah, The Searchers for me is uh, certainly one of the, one of the greatest films ever made. Obviously, with David, some... why did you why did you put an, a middling movie on you? On your it is it is, put, not middling, put, it is not middling. It is not middling. It is great movies on there. An absolutely astonishing film. Such a, a beautiful film, visually. It is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's got some very rich, challenging themes. Um, Morally repugnant. <laughs> uh, there's there's obvious... And, and again, I'm a big fan of Westerns in general, and I could have put a number of yeah. different Westerns here that I think are this great example of modern myth-making, uh, especially from an American perspective here. And this this mm. building up of a, of a mythology and a worldview uh, and an and ideology that I think is very American in both the good and bad sense. I think it really encapsulates The good, the that. bad, and the ugly, perhaps. Absolutely, absolutely. And The Searchers is one of the best examples of that. And again, it, it grapples with... It is with a good film. That, yeah. And and I and I certainly respect anyone who has any reservations against it and any criticism. I have there serious are, reservations. There are things in it that they I are, really, really dislike. They are absolutely valid. But I am, But there are things in it that I think are really brilliant. And I am transported by that film. I am mesmerized by it. Again, like maybe the most beautiful Technicolor film, uh, absolutely stunning in capturing of the uh, the, the Monument Valley, the oh, desert there. It's, it's it's not even the most beautiful racist Technicolor film. <laughs> what's, like what's, Black Narcissus. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's true too. It's hard to to beat that one. But you know, you know, they're they're both really great. Uh, but this one really really stuns me. And again, I think it's a a great performance from noted racist john wayne uh he, he delivers yeah, a yeah, yeah, performance yeah. here and I, and I always find more to to take from the film when, when i return to it it's so great a searcher and, and a gleaner mm-hmm. moving on uh to the next one another beautiful color film uh this one is again more of a throwback to to the whimsy and that's the fabulous baron munchausen Yes, from, yes, uh, yes, yes yes i should have check, worn my my carol zaman t-shirt yeah check filmmaker recently from from the museum I'm, I'm imagining that must have been a great uh, visit. Uh, it's, it's a, it was so cool. It's, it, it's very, very small. Um, I almost didn't go to it. Almost didn't. Like, we're walking through Prague. was in Prague for a day as part of Honeymoon. Um, been to Prague before, so we just had like an evening in Prague and a, a lovely hotel room to stay in and like, look over the city. So just did the walk around Prague um, when things are open. 
and walked past a sign that says like special effects museum and Emma's like oh let's go to that I'm like I don't think I would like like special effects museum Ugh. that's the kind of thing that I actually wouldn't like yeah and then I was just had my phone out late and I was looking up like things to do in Prague and they're like you need to go to the Karazana museum I'm like yeah I do and I was like <laughs> oh wait the sign that says the special effects museum is actually a trick and it's, it is only the Karazana museum but that's so the advertising that's what gets most people and that most people go there because we put Carol's Army Museum be like what but yeah um, it's really really cool it's very very tiny has a nice shop at the end um, but it's really interactive and it's just uh, it, it brings his, his films to life beautifully lets you interact with them it's got models that you can move around with they want you to touch things and get involved with things it's so so cool that's one amazing one of the best filmmakers Got of all time I, I agree and you know it's only recently I think that he's he's getting that reputation because again as, as a yeah you know, as a Czech filmmaker, the, the spotlight has less been on there, and it's because of distribution, you know, particularly through the Criterion box, I think, that has highlighted his uh, filmography. Certainly brought it to my attention and made me realize what an absolute cinematic genius he was. And again, this, you know, uh, incorporation of so many different uh, mediums working within film here of, of, of stop motion and, uh, you know, uh, integrations of different backgrounds and stuff and uh, all, all these things. It's absolutely wonderful. But the reason why... The Fabulous Baron Munchausen really stands out to me above some of his other works, like Invention for Destruction um, is another one with all the, the wood carvings and stuff, is because the whole mission statement, especially early on in the film, is about the importance of storytellers and creativity. Yeah. And and that's what it's all about. I love that, again, the beginning of the film is literally like the the creation of man all the way up to modern day history, launching the rocket up to the moon, and then getting there like and discovering that the, the people who have inspired us to be, to come here, you know, the, the Baron and Jules Verne and such, all of those, you know, li- literary icons and stuff are, are the ones who have brought us here ultimately. And they're, you know, they're going to escort us on this adventure. And that, that mission statement to me is what's so important about the film and what makes it so it's great. An absolutely fabulous film. Um, dear listener, I will, I will recommend very, very briefly my favorite Carol Zeman film, which is one of his shorts. His 10 minute short, find it on YouTube, Inspiration is one of the most beautiful pieces of art I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've not seen Inspiration, um, animation through glass, um, just y- y- the most astonishing thing I've ever seen. It's it's just it's just. And oh. yeah, the the access of him, you know, and seeing that like a very clear, Melly's inspirations, real the real successor yeah. in that regard. Uh, but it really opened yeah. up the world Definitely. of uh, you know that that era of uh, Czech filmmakers to me. You know, so other people like Wojciech yeah. Lipsky and stuff. Uh, you know, again, it became an instant favorite area of, of cinema that I was ignorant of until, you know, this, this was brought to my attention. So, and again, like so, and, so inventive and so creative for the, you know, the early sixties. If you like daisies, which is like, I think a more seen film um, and you want to go into wider Czech cinema, you'll find it a, a kindred kind of expression and spirit um, in some of Zeman's work, not like politically similar because um, they're different kinds of things, but in that same cutting up the rule book and pure visual creativity and just like film as a canvas, you'll, you'll get that there. Mm-hmm. Amazing choice. What's next? Uh, the next film on my list after that is the, uh, the, sa- the same whimsy. year, actually, same year, which makes it kind of hard. 1962's Harakiri. Yeah, whimsical, whimsical, yeah. magical, romantic from, cinema from Masaki Kobayashi. Uh, this is a film. Ugh that uh, I was told to know nothing about when I watched it. So I'm not going to dwell too much on details here because uh, mm-hmm. I realized how important that advice was when I watched the film. And for me, this was such a, a exemplar of the, the kind of narrative unfolding of cinema and how a story can be yeah. told to you. And th- again, like the complete 
grasp on the audience in that same kind of Hitchcockian way where like you can lead an audience in one direction to believe this and then you know reveal things later like this, this manipulation of information oh. that you feed to the as audience. a storytelling exercise you do not get better yeah than and that's just one one component you know of all the amazing incredible things about the the film you know the, the oh yeah the, the, the anti-samurai samurai epic the the way that it denies you the thing that you think you want and then deconstructs it and then gives you that thing at the end in like because you know you're expecting some samurai stuff and when you get it at the end the way that it is framed is so brutal and upsetting and unsettling yeah but not the kind of brutality of the film I, this is one of those few films that i watched and this happens so infrequently and it's the one for feeling and you're just like that is one of the greatest films i've made i remember Absolutely. watching it it's been like that is just one of the greatest films i've made yeah no and again there's you you watch so many of those films that have that reputation and they just can't live up mm. to it and it's just like it was undeniable immediately you're enraptured from the first moment on yeah. and like you're and i'm watching i'm just wondering like can it get better this can it can it sustain this all the way to the end and you're just flabbergasted that it does all the way it's I, it's so perfectly realized yeah and if you've not seen its kind of like spiritual successor, Samurai Rebellion, also from him, yep. um, which I didn't put off for a while because the title sounded like not what you'd want because it's, it doesn't sound deconstructive, it very much is. Samurai Rebellion is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And very much in the vein of uh, Kobayashi's work at large in you know, deconstructing oh, these these ideas, these histories. him. So, br- brilliant film. Don't need to say much Sexy, more about it because whimsy. you just need to see oh. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after this that, Kashi Miike remake of it. Don't watch that. After that, it's I have uh, uh, 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Hey, way, hey, hey. So, man, what what a incredible film! What an inspired film from a little small production. And and to me, this is like the the turning point in in cinema in the 1960s. Like cinema undergoes yeah. a, a radical shift in in the late 60s here. And for American cinema, a lot of people point to uh, Bonnie and Clyde from '67 or The Graduate yeah, as, as like movie. this, yeah, this this changing in the sensibilities of you know the filmmakers, the you know retirement of the old guard and introduction yeah, of the true. new. Uh, but for me, Night of the Living Dead is the more striking example of you know look look at this independently produced film that was became a huge smash hit with a black leading actor. You know, yeah. and that completely revolutionized the horror genre and changed it from something that was, you know, more kitschy gothic, you know, typically, into something that was very real and very grounded and very reflective of modern I mean, society. And in- invented one of the most enduring subgenres of horror. I mean, that's accidentally. Yeah, that, that's through, the most through copyright mishap. Exactly, but... but that's the most amazing thing as well to me. Is it's yeah. like you know this this thing that became and again was like has become the most. Um, you know, uh, well-known like like mythological uh, mm. creation is fifty years old. You know, it is yeah. a fifty-year-old creation. Um, zombies. Yes, obviously, obviously, like the term zombie in, in right. a related but different meaning predates. Um, which I think the the later some of the other Romero's like do pay a bit more credence to that. Really interesting. I think like Day of the Dead has got a bit more into that. Um, I know the film that's called Zombie Two, um, mm-hmm. like which is dawn of the dead 2 which is not a romero film but is now known as zombie flesh eaters which is a great film um it links that very nicely but yeah oh but but oh, in I terms of so like I'm so in terms of the it. mechanics of how how all the rules we associate with zombies and everything it's all established right here yeah. in this film yes. and it's presented in such a grounded way in such a you know tangible reality sense and again like it still stands head and shoulders above any other zombie film because of the the sense of humanity that these these creatures still possess so, 
there's a lovely piece by you written yes uh, written by you on the website um so please people go read that and can i share with you the last time i watched the film because i think it's kind of please interesting do. story please do um so i was going to the year was 2020 and i had booked tickets to a thing i can't remember what it was called it was it was basically night of the living dead on stage because it is royal because it is royalty free you can do these things so what what it was a performance art piece where a single person on stage being filmed and what he was being filmed being projected behind him was trying to do a one man remake of Night of the Living Dead of trying to, try to try to make it happen in real time of using props and all kinds of things I was like this sounds amazing and um, that day it was on was also the day that Animal Crossing came out which you remember <laughs> was um, the first day of the COVID lockdown oh um, right so that's why I never got to and throughout this week I was just like got tickets to this thing i don't think i'm going to go to this thing oh god what's going on okay it's probably being cancelled and that was such a weird week so then we watched it at home instead because i had it on blu-ray and put it on and never never seen it and watching that on the day they'd just been announced that something i'd never really seen outside of fiction was happening and just the way that so much this film a state of emergency is shown through news reports and people acting weirdly on news reports like it was such a unique experience of watching it it was scary in different ways and reflected social realities and it's it, it's such a fertile open text that i think mm-hmm. is so much cleverer than it's given credit for and watching like the media stuff in that backdrop of i just spent a whole week of just like growing fear about this stuff oh gosh. yeah i, I imagine that informed me more because there's those again they they really went out of their way to make it feel very ground realistic they got the actual like you know pittsburgh newscaster to relay all the information yeah. on the television like it's like an extended so sequence good. of the characters watching the television and getting all the information about this and i think it's so brilliant you know some people accuse it of being like a like a lame expository device but i'm like no it's it's such a oh, rounded example so awesome. and again like everything about it and all the character dilemmas are very practical and dealt out and you have all these yeah. different things that they're all very well realized very well written and performed uh it's so good and again it's like way more than the cheap b movie you're kind of expected based on like any billing mm. or, or, or reputation it, it really so like i said it stands for me as this big turning point for for cinema at that time period what's next the uh last film on the list here uh it's not oh, from... wow. oh, oh gosh that that flew by yeah <laughs> so the last film on the list here from the uh 2010s as you said is uh orson welles's f for fake i've never seen this movie this is the only movie on this list i've not seen you've not seen this film you know I haven't. We've talked about this before. I've not seen it fake. I could not remember. No, oh sorry. Um, no, oh, no, sorry. I got confused. Yeah, because I said, I said it was from the 2010, and there is an Orson Welles yeah, film from the 2010s. 2010s. Because you I said thought, you oh. said that this was that I was going to have a film from the well, 2010s. Well, I confused myself. Jack, leave this in and show that I'm an idiot. <laughs> Although, um, to be yes, fair, I, I, I guess I could take a moment to talk about The Other Side of the Wind because that is another no, important film for me. No, please don't. I've never seen it. So oh, don't, my God. Don't okay, so so Other Side of the Wind again. Another. No, no, I've not seen it. No, oh, no, no, I'm not gonna, the movie no, 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 I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm saying it's an important film for me because it really came at a time where I was really getting into film more. And I and I got to see it on the big screen. There was a screening near me of this restored Orson Welles, of this completed Orson oh. Welles film that they only made six copies of. They made they struck six copies of it. And I got to see it in the theater with the editor in attendance. And that was an amazing, amazing experience for me. So I absolutely could put The Other Side of the Wind on this last slot here. Yeah, but F- I, FFA, I, ha- I have seen it and it's on my top 100 list. So no, yeah, I'm, but I didn't. Really I put, I now put, I like a pretending being like yeah i love f for fake i really love f for fake i put f for fake on this list because f for fake probably changed my idea of what a film could be more than any other film 
And that was on the second watch. This is another film that I've written about for the website. It's a consistent pattern here because I'm compelled to because... It, and and I had this revelatory moment the second because obviously the first time I was I was magnetized to it you know because Wells is just such a great you know m- magician screen such charismatic oh. presence he really carries such you through this very time. interesting narrative and he, he that pulls the rug final out from act under you. of the movie where you're just like sorry what my <laughs> whole way through is just uh, yeah just yeah. delicious what a delicious film yeah absolutely and then it was you know and, and you get the sense and then you know it's like oh the rug pulls at the end oh this was you know it's a trick oh you know the nature of fakery and what it is so that's like a fun thing that the film does but then when i went back and watched it the second time i caught something because like the, the whole shtick is like you said in the beginning oh the next hour everything's gonna be true and then at the end it's like oh the hour mark passed and you didn't even notice but uh, and i noticed things during that hour point i was like wait a second that's not what that is that's that's not you know either like like after i'd learned more about wells and i recognized it was it was during the world of the world sequence like you can hear them read, uh. you know that you, you hear the dialogue and it's presented to you like it's the actual podcast but i was like hold on a second that's Peter Bogdanovich, he he wasn't part of that. What's going on here? <laughs> and 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 I and I was piecing it together, and then that just led me down the rabbit hole of looking deeper and deeper. I'm like, this is all a bunch of bunk. How much of this shit it is did, made up? It really is. It's and then and and that and that's what caused me to reflect on all of it again, like the nature of the art being presented as a fiction in and of itself, even when it's mm. being told like like this idea of it being presented as ostensibly truthful, it is in some way invented concocted twisted contorted yeah. presented and that's the nature of art in in and of itself and the you know the as a lie in all of this and again wells being like the perfect charlatan the way he throughout his life twisted stories and you know and not knowing what is real oh. fiction because sometimes truth is stranger than fiction so some of the things he says in the film which are true are uh, you know the, you know they sound totally made up you know and you don't necessarily believe yeah. them but they they are and it's at what point can you decipher one from the other and so that whole like kind of spiraling idea of how things are presented and you know the ways in which it's a trickery again. of it. Ugh. And again, it's like even even if you didn't care about any of that stuff, it's just so incredibly presented. So oh, it's uh, just a great movie. It's just it's just really really great. It's just such he to you brilliantly. Such magnetic editing, so so brisk, yeah. so you know, in, in Rapture, it's so brilliant. So it really yeah. reshaped my the way I see one of the films. Best films. Great choice. Yeah. So that is that can, is my. Can I top, link it to, to, to the, the two most kind of influential like spiritual films. successes again? Two spiritual successes. Um, so I think the very obvious spiritual successor is the absolutely astonishing Guy Madden film, My Winnipeg, um, which if you like Effa Fake, you'll like at least like My Winnipeg. I mean, for me, I mean, yeah, My Winnipeg is just one of again one of the one of the, one of the great great movies. Um, also, have you seen? I only thought about this because I just bought a copy of this with my dad actually because he'd not seen it. Um, so dad don't listen to this before Christmas because I just spoiled your gift um, have you seen Martin Scorsese's Bob Dylan documentary Rolling Thunder Review oh the because he made a couple didn't he did he make an earlier one yeah the the, 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 the one that he did the, via Netflix yeah I've not his fake documentary about a, is it a, a, is that, it a fi- I did not know this okay because it's, so it's, 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 I was interested oh, it's in it good. but I avoided it because I was like oh this is a sequel to another Bob Dylan documentary he made I better find that first and I just I haven't it is a documentary of lies and truths mixed together in a way that you don't know. Because, like, the whole idea of it is that this legendary tour is not actually that interesting as a tour, but mm-hmm. it is interesting as a legend. So it's, it's the documentary of the legend of the tour. It's a documentary of the tour that you wanted to have happened, of the stories you wanted to exist. And it's got great compilation of, like, a lot of, like, real... It's the way it, it balances fact and fiction and things that are kind of true and kind of not true. Yeah, it is you know, you know, very much in the key of FFA. 
I want I want to make a, a, a kind of slight review because you know what other film I could have put on this list and you, you maybe will appreciate this better. Like I could I could swap out the Searchers for a different Ford film and that would be the man who shot Liberty Valance because that that line that comes from it that idea of uh, when 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 the, the the legend becomes fact print the legend that's like the big closing line mm. of it is this great testimony. This is like the 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 theme overriding it and again a great summation of this idea of the the western genre so but i think in general storytelling stories the stories we tell about this idea and this grandiosity and this need to you know use it as a way of expressing something wider about how we feel you know uh, about our past present and future so that is a great film that exemplifies that and maybe one that is less problematic i don't know if you've seen that one I've not, um, so I'm glad you didn't put in your list because then I would have felt compelled to have watched it, and oh. I have not, and it'll be embarrassing. But oh. you know what? I do now feel compelled to watch it, and I will do that. I might, I might swap it. I need, I should rewatch that film, and may, maybe it is, maybe it is one of the best films. So ever it's made. a glorious eleven. You know what, David? You're the boss around here. You get an eleven. You get an eleven. There you go. Thank you, thank you. There's, there's twelve. My, oh, that's what I'm on. the third man. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a whole, oh, so many more I could have picked. Obviously, yeah. very hard, very hard to, to whittle this down. And I wanted to create a, a variance as well. Like I probably could have picked just ten strict yeah, classic think, Hollywood films, but I didn't. I think I think I'm quoting David Ehrlich here, which is not a thing that I do that frequently. But I think when he posted his um, ballot for Sight and Sound, he put um, something on the lines of ten films, a thousand regrets. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Again, that's why I needed to qualify it so much at the beginning here. It's like like this is like what I, I i feel like you know ultimately and what i need to qualify because again there's also like i you know i stayed here i was like oh we we ignore so much of early cinema mm. you know i want to include that but i'm also excluding the rest of everything past the 1970s yeah with my list it's, here, it's, it's, which it's is a great list i can't i can't wait for you to realize that um yep, people yep. That aren't men also make movies <laughs> uh-huh yep, yep. <laughs> one I, day I, maybe I you'll, 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 you'll realize that um but, you know. Well, you know, it's, it's something I would love because I do. I, there's a lot of great women filmmakers. And even, you know, from uh, older time periods in Hollywood, you know, the, the very mm-hmm. few that were allowed into the system there. But I can only, you know, uh, I'm uh, unfortunately, I, I, I've got to stick with what I, I resonate with the you're not, most. You're not one of those woke sight and sound voters trying to force PC culture into the list. Um, it, it's, not, it's not like that. But I'll, I, I just I got to represent, you know, like I said, these are all brilliant films, great films, yeah. you know, deserving films. And, um, you know, I, I I could name to you a number of others, and I would, I just gotta be truthful myself. And th- these are the I films mean, that strike me most, and, and it is gonna affect on based there, on, so you know, as a as a cis white man as well. You know, I yes. I, I think that's <laughs> gonna reflect ultimately. That's gonna reflect in my taste. Yes, I'm just more of a virtue signaler than you. You know, my list is just lies to make people like me. Um, we'll get to that in the future. Thank you so much, David, um, for giving me so much of your time. And I hope people enjoyed listening to David go through what is, I have to say, a very, very damn good list. I may fake that on other lists because I mean, Vaughn's going to give his movies and I bet most of them are bad. Um, no silent films, I bet. I'm predicting no silent films oh, from Vaughn. Oh, God. Oh, God. The silence from Vaughn just there. Just telling. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll be back with more top tens. In fact, probably this will be the penultimate one. So, awesome. next, Calvin. Probably dad movies. Predict, predict some movies of Calvin's. Oh, you probably have seen it. Damn it! Have you already seen his top ten? No, I haven't seen it yet. I have no idea. Uh, right. What was he going to The Meg has to be on there, right? He's got the Meg. That's his, um, I don't that's know. His, like, not, I, I, that's his go-to so dad Meg. movie. I'm predicting the Meg. Uh, I'm predicting the Halloween Tree. It's like his favorite movie. Yeah, and I'm going to guess first cow. Maybe, yeah, you can't put one on there. I'm, I'm going to guess McCabe is on there. Maybe not like a, a oh. dad movie specifically, but, you know, that's such an important I, film. To be fair, I don't know if he's doing dad movies. I just presume that this is what he is doing. I, um, I, I would guess he's going to put Under the Skin on if he's not doing dad movies. Ooh. It's one of his favorites. Uh-huh. 
Well, there you go. There you go. And that's what I think we should do that at the end of everyone's predict the next list. There you go. That's what you think you're into, Calvin. That's oh, what you think the kind uh, of stuff that you're into. Can we just see that um, going forward? Go. Well, we'll see. Um, thanks so much. And keep watching, keep listening, and go to the, the twingeeks.com. Thank you, David.